Good morning. My name, my name is Thomas Brooks, and I'm a student going at San Antonio Christian School going into sixth grade. <clears throat> this morning, we continue our study of the Psalms by learning to make a joyful noise through a song of satisfaction. God alone satisfies the hunger of our hearts. God alone satisfies the searching of our souls. God alone is worthy of our faith. Please join me in reading Psalm 62, verses 1 through 12. Listen to God. Sorry. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence, they only plan to thrust him down for his high position. They take pleasure with pleasure in falsehood. They bless us, they bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. So, uh, for God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He is only. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour pour out your heart before him. God is a huge refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion, and the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. Riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I once God has spoken, twice have I heard this. That power belongs to God. And that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Thank you, President Thomas. Is it, is it President Thomas or President Brooks? President Brooks, okay. He, uh, he was elected president of his camp this summer, so give honor where honor is due, they say. If you have a Bible, would you keep it open or open it to Psalm 62? If you don't have a Bible, uh, then use your phone. That's fine with me. Uh, the whole hope is that the Word of God is used by the Spirit of God to, to conform you more into the image of God. So that if you know Christ, you might leave here uh, to serve him more faithfully and fruitfully, fruitfully, living all of life for the glory of God. Uh, If you don't know Jesus this morning, this invitation uh, to experience a wholehearted satisfaction uh, is for you. It's for all of us. We're just going to start off with a quiz. Uh, This quiz won't be graded. It's a fill-in-the-blank quiz, okay? So no pressure, no worry. This is not summer school. I just want to ask how you fill in these blanks. 
blank alone gives me strength. What do you put there? No, no, come on. I'm not asking. This is not rhetorical. And I know it's Sunday morning. And half the people that said God in here would actually say breakfast taco if you didn't have to say it out loud. Okay. All right. So honestly answer for your heart. I'm not interested in what you think is the right answer. I need you to be honest with yourself. Blank alone gives me strength. Next question. You don't have to answer out loud. I'm really scared of some of y'all's honest answers, so keep them to yourself. Blank alone gives me security. Blank alone gives me significance. Finally, blank alone gives me a strong foundation. The reality is uh, that... Most of us in this room, I conclude myself, we have a cafeteria plan for how we answer these questions. We have family and friends that oftentimes give us strength and security. We have finances. Uh, We have fun things that we do, fruitfulness at work that give us a sense of significance or a solid foundation. We have uh, productivity or power. Positions that we hold or pride that we have or people that we know. And what happens is because we have so many different options that we move from experience to experience or we move from engaging relationship to engaging relationship or we move from uh, episode to episode and we never actually discover a satisfaction, something that alone gives us strength, something that alone gives us security, significance, a solid foundation. You see, today is a song, a song for satisfaction so that the deepest hungers of your heart can be fulfilled. The deepest desires of your soul can actually find a contentedness, and that you can stop searching. It's an invitation for you to have that which you seek. And we sang Psalm 42, as a deer pants for water. We could read Psalm 63. There's tons of psalms that are psalms of satisfaction. And there's so many of them, it's because it's so hard for us to actually answer the question, God alone. And I don't mean just saying it in church. I mean in our everyday life to live with satisfaction in who God is and what he's done for us. So the first thing I want to do is I want to set kind of our paradigm. We're going to establish a baseline, okay? Uh, And you should have notes. If you want to take notes uh, in the handout you got, the outline is there. Um, But I'm going to start with a C.S. Lewis quote because we can actually argue that there is an existence of God by the desires that you have in your heart. Okay, here's how what Lewis, the way he puts it. Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. For example, he says, a baby feels hunger. Well, there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there's such a thing as water. And this is from mere Christianity. He says, I find in myself, listen, a desire which no experience of this world can satisfy. The most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. 
If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably, earthly pleasures were never intended or meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. The real thing that your heart hungers for is God himself. You were created for relationship with God. And the basic premise that that, uh, apologists and philosophers will use to argue from your desire to establish the reality of a design following Lewis's paradigm, it goes something like this. Every natural innate desire that we have corresponds with a real object that, that can satisfy that desire. Second, but there exists in us a desire which nothing in our world, no creature or creation can satisfy. Third, therefore, there must exist something more which can satisfy this desire. Finally, there is something. And that something is a someone. It's actually God himself, our creator, the lovers of our soul. And only trusting in him completely will we find the satisfaction of our souls in totality. And we spend so much time in our cafeteria plan moving from one thing to another, never really finding what we're looking for. God's grace invites you to feast on him and his faithfulness. While I was reading, uh, preparing for this week, a couple weeks ago, uh, I came across this quote. I'm not recommending the book. Just the quote, all right? The book is called Save Me From Myself, and it's written by a guy named Brian Welsh. Nickname, Head. (laughs) That's a really unfortunate nickname. Um, He was the lead guitarist for the heavy metal rock band Korn. I'm sure you were all listened to them on your way down here, preparing your hearts for worship. Here's what he says. And this is a very applicable quote. I don't recommend the book. Here I was, the guitarist for one of the biggest rock bands in the world, racking in millions of bucks and playing huge concerts all over the globe, but I was completely miserable. I didn't understand how a person who had everything he wanted with millions of dollars in the bank could be unhappy. Later, Welsh says that it's only God's love that he had been craving that he could find satisfaction. Here's what he says. Resume quote. Take it from me. Nothing you chase after on this earth will satisfy you. Nothing. Trust me. While I was in corn, that's the band name, I had people waiting on me left and right. Anything I wanted... I got. Anywhere I wanted to go, I went. All I had to do was give the word, and it happened. I had the world in the palm of my hand, people. This is a quote. And I have to tell you one last time, there's nothing there. I promise you, Jesus Christ is the only one that can make you complete. Okay? So this, coming from experience, when you actually can have everything you think you want, invites us, it emphasizes not only that all of us together have these desires, but the only place where we can find true satisfaction is is in the Lord. So let's see what this passage has to say about this. Uh, Just look down at verses 1 and 2. For God alone my soul waits. Feel the weight of that word alone. My, My soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation, for he alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. You see that word alone. 
It's this word that introduces four forms of satisfaction. That when we trust God completely, when we feast on God's faithfulness completely, that's fruit of satisfaction of what you're actually looking for. And and the Bible gives us this invitation to to preach to ourselves through this uh, psalm. Here's the first thing you see in your notes. To my soul. You see where he's talking. To my soul. We have to remind ourselves of this. It's easy to say out loud on Sunday morning, but it's really difficult to live it. To my soul we preach the gospel. God alone is the source of salvation. God alone is a secure foundation. God alone is my significance, and God alone is security that can't be shaken, a secure foundation. You see, the work of the gospel, when we preach the gospel to our souls, when when Jesus touches us, it's inside. Paul uses language in in Corinthians that we're, we're jars of clay, and we have this light, and inwardly we're being renewed day by day by day. And the renewal is this eternal reality that that is giving birth and taking root and giving life in our hearts that will connect us with eternity when we we die. It will all be made new. And the gospel does this, uh, and, and, and God's grace invites us to experience what will be in eternity in the here and now through Jesus Christ. Now, when we learn to, to truly trust God alone, For all that our hearts are hungering for, what happens is that we are strengthened. The the daily renewal inside, it's this internal structured identity and strength. I'm reminded of my need for this when I see all the cicada shells around. Have you seen these? Right? Yeah. The cicada shells, I have a picture. You know what that's called? That's called an exoskeleton. You know that? Cicadas... They, they, you know, they need an exoskeleton so they can fly around and maneuver and all this, but it's super weak, it's super temporary, and that's why every year they have to shed them. It's fascinating. And this is what happens to human hearts when we look to, for desires to be satisfied on a horizontal level. We get exoskeletons. And so we try our friends for security for a while, but oh, we got to shed that and try something else. I'm going to look at my finances, but oh, then there's, a, there's financial trouble. I'm going to look here. I'm going to find productivity in my job. That's not going to work. I'm going to move over here. And we are so weak. And when we're not strengthened inside, when the heat's turned up on the outside, when pressures mount, we get crushed. The gospel gives us an opportunity for what biologists call endoskeletons. You see that? You know what that is? That's the Witty Museum. It's not a shameless plug. It's a great jewel of our city. And inside Witty Museum, you have these dinosaur, these dinosaur bones, the endoskeleton that can take all kinds of weight, all kinds of pressure, all kinds of endurance. And when we trust God alone, then we develop this internal strength so that when the pressure is turned up on the outside, we don't get crushed or, friends, crush the people that we hold in too high regard in our hearts. This is an invitation of the gospel, which means this. This isn't a a lesson in how to be 
perform morally better. This isn't something that you add to your to-do list. You don't walk out of worshiping a God of grace going, well, now I've got to try to be stronger inside. Now I just have to be satisfied more in him. That's, uh, I am going to be more satisfied in God today, dadgummit, and I'm probably going to listen to corn more. No. You see, the gospel is about a love relationship. A God that's madly in love with you. A God that's perfect and holy and not real impressed with your performance. A God that loves you so much that he sees the actual desires behind your actions. Everywhere you look that is even harming yourself, he doesn't condemn you. He sees the desire behind it and with open arms. He says, I love you. Come to me as the deer pants for water. Come to me and find satisfaction for the desires of your heart. You see, the context of this psalm is actually worship. It's a God that's inviting his people into his presence. And he gives us language of which we can sing. It is designed for us to free ourselves from our exoskeletons and to allow the gospel to give us an internal renewal and strength that only he can give. So the external pressures, my friends, this is our second point from the psalmist, they're going to come. And they're going to expose your internal weakness. How long, verse 3, how long will you all, uh, how long will you all of you attack a man and batter him? My, uh, uh, like a leaning wall or a tottering fence. He's, he's describing his weakness. The only plan is to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless you with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. You see, the psalmist, David, he's battered by life, assaulted on the outside. He's bruised by being thrown down. He's backstabbed. And I know Southerners get this. Oh, bless your heart, right? You know, oh, I'm going to bless you to your face. And as soon as you walk off, I'm going to tell everybody else what I really think of you. Am I the only one that can identify with that? I don't know. But that's where this guy is. And when you experience the, 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 the difficulty of this world externally, personally, relationally, and you realize I'm just a leaning fence and a broken down wall, where do we turn? It gets worse. If you look at the end of the psalm, you see that things are bad for him. But verse 10, it shows that actually things are pretty good for everybody else because riches are increasing for them. Right? You've been at that place where you feel like things are difficult for you personally, but for everybody else, it's going fine. You're struggling with poverty and weakness of different sorts, but for everybody else, they're growing and increasing in what you want. You, you feel a level of anxiety that you don't know if anybody can understand, but it seems like everybody else is not only peaceful, but confident and smiling. Right? That's where the psalmist is. We feel like the bad guys are going to win. Like Thronos, is that his name? Thronos, Thronos, what is it? Thanos. See how I invited you to participate there? <laughs> In the Infinity War, I got this one. How about the Empire Strikes Back? You watch the end of that and you're like, I think that they need to rewrite this thing. But then you realize the Avengers come in the end game and then there is a return of the Jedi 
and everything's okay, but here's the reality. We need a little bit more than what Marvel can give us. What is happening? Yes, it's an attempt to contextualize Solorio <laughs> and a bad one at that. Here's what, here, let me, let me get a little more uh, where I'm comfortable. All right. As long as you keep looking externally for the return of the Avengers, the return of the Jedi, or whatever it is your heart's hungering for and you're looking horizontal for these things, you're going to keep putting paint and plasters on cracks in your walls when actually you've got a foundation issue. Now that's a Southern illustration in San Antonio we can all identify with. <laughs> but that's true. And that's just one of the four examples that the psalmist gives that will be fruit when our hearts are satisfied in God. You will have a solid foundation, but as long as you're moving out of the exoskeleton illustration into a building, your home, as long as you see cracks in your life, cracks in your identity, cracks in your friendships, cracks in your sense of security, cracks in your sense of significance, and you're just applying paint and plaster to it, the weather is still, or the rain, the heat, or whatever it does that makes our foundations mess up, like you're still going to have those until you can deal with a root issue and get a foundation in being satisfied in God alone. And we ha- knowing this temptation that we have to look horizontally, knowing the temptation uh, to try to fix things by what we see, uh, vertically, not horizontally. The psalmist double downs on his emphasizes on soul satisfaction, and he flips the equation. Look at verses five to eight. For God alone, now we've established it. it's only God that can give us what we're looking for, and we begin we begin to 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 say God alone gives me blank. God alone, oh my soul, uh, I wait in silence. For my hope is in Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He only is my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Unless I love this line. Oh, God on God, rest my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. You see, the psalmist doubles down on what it looks like for your desires to be divine word to be redirected at God so that you can find true satisfaction. You say, what does this look like in real life? He answers it. First, trust in the Lord at all times. First and foremost, we trust in the Lord for our salvation and our steps, for our strength and our significance and security. We trust in the Lord with the wisdom writer from Proverbs 3. With all of our hearts, we lean not on our own understanding. What's that look like? In all of our ways, we acknowledge him. And we trust that he's going to make our path straight. Oh, man. I'm talking to some people that are hungry for peace. I'm talking for some people, to some people that, that want to shed anxiety. I'm talking to people right now who are eager to have a sense of identity that is stable and not dependent on your performance or your place in life or the people that you know. Trust in the Lord at all times. And second, he tells us, that pour out your heart to him in hard times. It is this personal relationship that is manifest in every moment 
especially in hard times, that our first call, that our first move, that our first everything is a response to his grace and his love by turning to him, by trusting him, by leaning not on our own understanding. How do we trust in him? Well, he tells us uh, that we inv- he invites us to pray to him. Our prayers, it's an invitation to, to cast our cares on him, to, to meditate on his word. He's, Jesus says it all the time, but one crystal way, seek first the kingdom of God and then try really hard and everything else will work out. That's not what Jesus teaches. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. Seek the king. Seek his kingdom. Everything else will come. We meditate on his word. And the problem is we just don't trust him. We have too many cafeteria options. We're everywhere and we're never experiencing that which he wants us to have. And he gives us fellowship, real relationship with one another. There's no such thing as a Christian on their own. When you are born again, you become part of a family, a child of God in the family of God. And a lot of us have baggage. A lot of us have been hurt by the church. Church hurt, it's a real term. But the abuse doesn't negate proper use. That God's designed us to be in communion with one another. Remember the the sermon we started with in the series was Mary's song. And we used it as an illustration, Mary and Elizabeth, that when Mary hit a hard time, we talked about the power of community and fellowship. She went like 13 miles to get to Elizabeth. And the temptation we have in our life to be like, well, no one's come to me. I mean, Mary could have sat there. No one's come to me. No one's come to me in my difficult situation. No one's come to me with my unanswered questions. Mary went 13 miles because she knew she needed it. And that invitation, the distance, is real. I don't want to minimize it. But the Word of God, fellowship, prayer with God, and fellowship, and contact, and connection, and authentic relationship with one another, this is how we trust in the Lord at all times and pour out our heart to Him in hard times. Uh, Corey Tim Boom, you heard Becky had a great illustration last week. She actually read part of the book. It was super funny, super applicable, from the same book, not quite as funny, uh, but just as applicable. Corey Tim Boom says this. You may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. She said that after she lost everything. The invitation is for you to discover that Jesus is all you need. And then through that, all the power of what you think you need to have fades. Uh, he, he, he lands with a last point here. We're not going to read it. We're going to close in prayer. Callan, y'all can come up with this explanation of why God alone satisfies. Really quickly, he, he uses, uh, again, wisdom literature language from Ecclesiastes 2 uh, that everything else is going to fade away. It's just a breath. And then at the end, he lands it with this. The word and the work of God is the only true blessing that we have. All that our hearts hunger for can be satisfied in Jesus and his work. All of your desires, 
all of what you're looking for in your struggles, things uh, that you're just wearying yourself from trying to find your significance, your security, your uh, solid foundation, your strength. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. His gracious invitation is for you to truly trust in him. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the promise and the power of the gospel. And we just confess together that we need your spirit to explode the realities that our hunger and our thirst in this life can only be satisfied with you. That It is a blessed thing to hunger and thirst. And I pray, Lord, that uh, your spirit would just meet everybody here. I know there's people in here struggling with addictions. I know it. There's people in here that are super fearful and longing for peace. Lord, there's people in here that are weary from trying to have a secure and a solid identity, tired of taking off exoskeletons, longing for something internal, solid, and secure that only the gospel of Jesus gives us. And I pray, Lord, that you would compel people to truly trust in you, not to add to a to-do list, but to realize that the God of the universe who created them loves them, that you entered into a place, Lord, where there was no security, that you took the place of of losing your status and your significance, God yourself becoming a servant, obedient to death, even death on a cross. Lord, the reality of your work would grab our hearts so much so that our desires would be directed and satisfied in you alone. That's a work that only you can do, Jesus. And we open our hands and we open our hearts and ask that you would do it. In your name we pray, amen.